0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hello, I'm Richard Quest in London. It is 9 o'clock in the morning on the east coast of the United States. Today is Friday, September the 11th, 9-11. The flag is flying at half staff over the White House. It's the day that the world remembers and commemorates those who lost their lives. It's 19 years since 9-11 terrorist attacks, when nearly 3,000 people, 2,977 were killed by terrorists in New York City, Washington DC, and outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. During the course of this day, President Trump and Joe Biden, in their various ways, will both be amongst those paying respects. It will be an hour in which we will join those events and those moments of silence are taking place. There is also the business agenda of the day, which we'll also be getting to. For instance, serious stuff, Microsoft is warning that the hackers who were responsible for hacking the 2016 US presidential election are at it again. Rio Tinto's CEO resigns over an appalling situation where the company destroyed sacred Aboriginal sites in Australia. And a slimmed-down stimulus bill couldn't even get past the US Senate. And it's only several weeks before the election. All that in the next hour. This is First Move. This is CNN Breaking News. It's a solemn day in the United States, and it is a day that is also remembered around the world. 9-11 is, of course, how we describe it, but that doesn't really bring home the enormity, the gravity of the crimes that were committed and the awful toll that it took. 3,000 people killed many thousands more traumatized by the events of that day now observances are underway in lower Manhattan where the towers once stood two hijacked jets crashed into both towers the events have been scaled back, of course, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So instead of the very solemn moment of the uh, roll call of those who, who perished, it's now, it's sent, instead it has been pre-recorded. There are also observances taking place at other places in Pennsylvania, at the Pentagon and the like. And now the first of those commemorative moments, a moment of silence This time, the first moment of silence that we'll be hearing uh, today comes for those on board UA 175, which struck the South Tower.
2: Kevin L. Bowser.
1: The first moment of silence that we will be joining in for, this one commemorates when United Airlines Flight 175 struck the South Tower. As it did so, we remember the 343 firefighters who lost their lives, the 23 New York City police officers, the 37 port authorities. As the day and the hour continues, at 9.37 we will pause for silence to remember those on American Airlines 77 that struck the Pentagon. And before the end of the programme, we will go for another moment's silence for the fall of the South Tower in New York City. There are, of course, commemorations taking place in Pennsylvania, in Shankville where one of the planes caught down U.A 93. Now, that uh, Ryan Nobles is there, uh, joins me now. The significance, of course, of the day is is sacrosanct. Uh, it comes, of course, at a U.S. presidential election by dint of calendar every four years. How, how will we commemorating it today?
2: Well, Shanksville's going to get a lot of attention here today, Richard. Both uh, President Trump is expected to be here uh, in about a half an hour and will take part in a ceremony that will take place commemorating the moment that uh, United Flight 93 crashed here in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and then later this afternoon, his opponent in the race for president, uh, the former Vice President, Vo- Vice President Joe Biden, will also be here to pay his respects. Uh, president Trump expected to deliver very brief remarks here where he will talk about the heroism of the group of people on board that plane to help bring it down and prevent the further loss of life. He'll also lay a wreath in honor of the victims of that tragedy. Of course, uh, this uh, this memorial, this uh, solemn place here in Pennsylvania dedicated to the lives of those who lost their lives that day, in the bravery and the you know the, the determination that they had to prevent the further loss of life, and we expect President Trump to talk about that. Uh, this is going to be much different than uh, this ceremony has been in past years. Uh, there will be far fewer people here than there normally are. Uh, as you can see behind me, they have spaced out the chairs uh, to uh, pro, to allow for social distancing. They're asking everyone to wear masks because, of course, Richard, as we remember that day 19 years ago, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. And that will be still on the minds of everyone as they remember what happened here 19 years ago.
1: Richard. Ryan Nobles. Ryan Nobles. Thank you, Ryan, uh, joining us from Pennsylvania. And Ryan makes a good point. Of course, the pandemic has changed the way the commemorations will take place, but not the fact that they will, of course, take place. Ryan, thank you. We'll check in with you again a little bit now. And so... Well, the, the next commemoration we have is, as I say, just at 37 past the hour. We'll be there for that, of course, in, in Washington. Now, whilst we move forward, let's return to our business agenda. And it's appropriate, in a sense, because the, the story we're covering now is of Microsoft warning that, that hackers are at it again. Uh, the democratic process in the United States, which, of course, has survived so many attacks, literal and physical and, uh, and digital. Now, Daniel Sullivan is with me. What exactly is Microsoft saying is happening? And I think it's important. Why are we hearing it from Microsoft and not, say, the FBI?
3: Yeah, that's a very good question, Richard. Um, so what Microsoft is saying here is that basically the same Russian hackers that are tied to Russian military intelligence, that broke into the Democratic Party in 2016 and and leaked uh, the emails tied to the Clinton campaign and everything else are basically back at it again, which should really come as a surprise to no one. That's uh, these hackers' jobs to to collect intelligence and also sometimes uh, leak this sort of information. Uh, they're saying specifically that these Russian hackers uh, targeted national and state parties here in the US and also political consultants working for uh, Republicans and Democrats. Now, to your question, this does track with what um with what the the director of national intelligence uh, has said in the U.S. He has they've warned that Russia, China, and Iran are all trying to interfere in some way with the election. And Microsoft also announced yesterday that Chinese and Iranian hackers are also targeting campaigns and entities tied to the election. Uh, in some ways, you know, Microsoft obviously has a unique position. They have an insight into a lot of what is happening on the internet, and they obviously work closely with U.S. intelligence. Uh, we were told that Microsoft proofed um, the U.S. intelligence community on these findings. Um, and, you know, Richard, I think it's also very possible that Microsoft isn't telling the full story here. I would imagine that this would would have all been done with, with the U.S. government's blessing. Right. And it's possible right. that there's other hacks, other attacks that they're not mentioning.
1: But, but Donne, what? what, what? I, I see the purpose in Microsoft saying this. But I don't see what anybody does as a result of it. One assumes that the digital barricades are up as much as they can be. So, uh, what does one expect it to do now we know that they're at it again?
3: Yeah, so one thing that Microsoft did also do yesterday was it shared sort of some technical indicators which other companies. Uh, Other cybersecurity companies and campaigns can use sort of these indicators to see if, you know, they've also been breached or if there's been attacks from these same uh, type of attackers. Uh, One thing I guess that this does serve is as an important reminder, as you mentioned, you know, you would expect and hope that the Biden campaign and Trump campaign have all their digital defenses up, particularly after 2016. But one thing which was interesting that we saw uh, from hackers across the board, from China, Iran and Russia, was targeting of uh, personal email addresses. And if you remember, that's how they got into uh, Hillary Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta's emails in 2016. It was actually his personal email account rather than his campaign email account. And we've seen Microsoft says targeting of those personal accounts. So I think it's a good reminder for campaign staff and and people generally that your work email might be secure, but make sure you have security on your personal accounts too.
1: Tony O'Sullivan uh, covering that. Extraordinary story. Now, Rio Tinto's chief executive has resigned. It's about the destruction of uh, sacred Aboriginal sites in Australia, Rio Tinto claims that they didn't know these sites were important to the indigenous people, but they went ahead anyway and blasted them as a way to increase the iron ore capacity, iron ore mining. Rio Tinto is the largest, second largest mining company in the world. and a Stewart is with me. Rio Tinto says that they did not know about how significant these sites were. Do we buy that?
4: Well, not really, because that was said in a parliamentary inquiry in Australia, which also revealed that it actually hired lawyers days before the demolition of these ancient sites to protect them against any last minute injunctions. There were also years of Aboriginal groups opposing uh, the decision that they were going to expand this iron, uh, iron ore mining site as well. And frankly, Richard, it's not just what happened and the many, many, many failings there but also the response to it. The CEO took two weeks to make any kind of public statement after this fiasco. And the remedy just a few weeks ago that they were going to dock executive pay did not satisfy investors. They felt that didn't get nearly near the root of the problem of, uh, sorry, just watching, um, of governance, but also, Richard, of communication between the headquarters here in London, where the boardroom sits, and that site in Western Australia over 9,000 miles away.
1: But Anna... The chief exec's only gone, not out of any great morality that it was the wrong thing to do, but because investors in Australia said they weren't going to tolerate it.
4: Yes, and you've got to question, what will this do, what will it achieve? He had to go, given the huge pressure that has been mounting over recent days and weeks. Uh, Will it really address the big issue here of governance? Perhaps not. Actually, one um, major pension fund in Australia, Hester, came out with a statement uh, just today saying changes in senior leadership should not distract from the need for an independent and transparent review of all current agreements between the company and traditional owners. Many investors will be thrilled to see a change at the top. This is what they've been pushing for for the last few days, the last few weeks. Right. Some will be worried, though. This was a CEO that delivered great returns in recent years, and there's no obvious replacement. Richard? Anna
1: Stewart in London. Anna, we thank you. Now another backlash, this time for Disney and its release of Mulan. Now, the movie credits. Uh, the movie credits thank authorities from Xinjiang region and thanks Xinjiang officials. However, the Chinese government is accused of human rights abuses in the area. Now, of course, it's got criticism online. Uh, Selina Wang's in Hong Kong. This is a very interesting one, isn't it? Disney must have known when they, or maybe they didn't, I don't know, I'd say must have, when they put those credits in thanking those officials for Mulan, that there would be people who would say, hang on, not so fast.
5: Richard, there have been growing calls for Disney to respond to why they chose to film there and then why they chose to thank them in the credits. As you mentioned, this backlash here, growing backlash, is because in those final film credits, they did thank a government agency in China that is accused of human rights abuses in Xinjiang. This is where the United States alleges that as many as two million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities are detained. China has repeatedly denied those allegations. But that being said, that has not stopped these growing calls for boycotts. The CFO Christine McCarthy finally coming out with some sort of response saying that, quote, Mulan was primarily shot in almost entirely in New Zealand and in an effort to accurately depict some of the unique landscape and geography of the country of China for this historically period drama, we filmed scenery in 20 different locations in China. She added that it's common knowledge that in China, in order to film somewhere, you need to get approval from the publicity department and that it is standard practice to then acknowledge those national and local governments that allowed you to film there. But she did also admit that this has, quote, led to a lot of issues for Disney, to say the very least. Richard, as you know, China is an incredibly important right. market for Hollywood. It was predicted to be the largest market, in fact, surpassing the U.S. pre-COVID. And Disney has invested $200 million in making Mulan. But despite that massive investment, the reviews have been lackluster in China. On China's popular review movie reviewing site, Doubun, Mulan only received a 4.7 out of 10. People were saying it was, had a lot of stereotypes in it. The plot was disorganized, as well as lacking uh, any charisma from the actors. And this is when Disney was really banking on Mulan to lift its revenue after it had, Disney's revenue has been hit by the coronavirus pandemic, and it took the controversial move of releasing it for streaming on Disney Plus first in the U.S.,
1: Selena Wang, Selena, thank you. Now to stories that are making news around the world. The top U.S. infectious disease expert, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has been warning Americans not to get complacent when it comes to the virus. He says the pandemic is not going to ease despite a decrease in cases in the majority of states. Dr. Fauci says everyone should prepare to hunker down, in his words, and that the situation will likely get worse again in autumn and in winter. More than 100 wildfires are still burning in the western United States, where at least 15 people have now died. The largest fires are in California and Oregon. In California alone, more than a million hectares have been burned. People are having a hard time breathing. In Oregon, more than 10% of the population has now been evacuated from their homes. Coming up as we continue uh, this day, this Friday, Peloton. It's a newish name on the block that's made a huge uh, impact with its online exercise regimes and its bicycles. Uh, The numbers are very impressive. We'll have the president of the company after the break to talk about how long this can last in a moment. Today is 9-11. And of course, in the United States and the rest of the world, we remember the events of 9-11 19 years ago, particularly, of course, those on Wall Street will be remembering uh, the stock exchange, a mere matter of blocks from where the twin towers of the World Trade Center stood. And, of course, you'll remember, well, those of us of a certain age certainly remember the market being closed for several days after 9-11. This was an attack on democracy. It was an attack on our capitalist way of life uh, in, all its, in all its vagrancies. And that's what happened. So today, of course, on Wall Street, they were also remembering uh, the events of two decades ago. The financial community paid tribute to U.S. stocks uh, that, that set Well, let's look at the markets and remind ourselves how they are set to open. Really, it's a sort of a wait and see. You see, they are up, which is after three or four days of, of downs is an achievement in its right. But this is the market dipping the toe trying to test the ground to see whether the selling that we had seen over the last few days is is really built built in and finished. Now, the Nasdaq fell 2%. The Nasdaq itself is down 3.5% for the week so far. The S&P and the Dow fell sharply too. So that's the way that they looked on yesterday's close. And the thinking is whether or not the sellers have had their day. It's time now for the bottom fishers and the buyers to come back in again. In Europe, mixed views on that. In the FTSE is uh, not much. Paris is barely off the bottom. Zurich is having a good day. Zetradax is not. The pound, we, do look, we should look at the pound because sterling most definitely remains under pressure. The, 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 the issue of a hard Brexit is coming back with the UK government uh, deciding with its shenanigans over the internal market bill. But it's worth also remembering Europe is basically saying that it's not going to walk away. It won't give the UK uh, the pleasure of seeing them walk away for the negotiations. Two, uh, ECB has not stepped in yet to help the euro. And in Asia, stocks closed higher. Chinese stocks were amongst the best gainers. This is interesting. Peloton. Now, Peloton has reported extremely strong earnings. It is the maker of, when I say home exercise equipment, that doesn't really do Peloton justice. It's an extremely highly sophisticated piece of technology, a bicycle in which you can join online classes, in which you can become involved with other users. So it's a subscription model on top of the hardware. 11% it's up in pre-market because it made a profit. It's launching a new bike as well. William Lynch is the president and director at Peloton. He does. He he joins me now. So this is very impressive. You you made a profit. You're subscribed in, uh, you know, uh, triple digits percentage wise. You have made subscription numbers uh, that are impressive. Uh, I'm not unduly flattering you because what I want to know is what my grandmother used to say. What have you done for me lately? So what's next? How do you keep that going?
6: Oh, good morning, Richard. I, you know, the company's been about growth since its inception and we plan to continue to grow. I think think the, the biggest news actually was the announcement of new products. And so uh, what we announced was a price drop on the original bike that has been such a catalyst for growth to, and I'll quote US $18.95 or $49 a month with financing. We introduced a new bike with a swivel screen that um, allows you not only to do the cardio with cycling, but also a lot of strength classes on the floor, and we think that opens up a whole new market for us, looking for cardio and strength. And we we announced an entry level treadmill, which is much lower priced, twenty four ninety five US. That actually may be the best value in fitness. This product, um, and all that is about opening up to more accessible, big, uh, lower price points, more accessible markets, and so. We feel like it's early days and feel very good about our growth prospects per, per the guidance right. we
1: gave. So, you know, uh, when I look at the, the new things that you're launching, the swivel and all of that, the strength as, aspects, the, your competitors like Mirror, that is their sort of home court, isn't it? That you're, you're doing exercises in front of, say, a Mirror. So to some extent, is this your response to competition?
6: Um, No, we we definitely see competitors entering the market, Richard. We uh, we feel like it's always been our aim to offer the widest variety of content um, uh, through the Peloton membership. We think that $39 a month membership is actually the crown jewel of the company. And so we're now in 10 fitness modalities where we offer yoga, meditation, outdoor audio runs, strength. We've been investing in strength for over two years in terms of content. I think have the widest library. In strength, and it's why strength is actually the fastest growing in terms of engagement um, used uh, fitness vertical uh, that we offer. And so, this has been more about us wanting to offer variety, us continuing to infuse more and more value in that thirty-nine dollars a month, and and members are using it and they're seeing they're seeing the value.
1: When the pandemic is over, I, I know you've answered the question a million times about you know will people still continue to use Peloton will they still be prepared to subscribe to 39 99 a month and what is your reason for optimism obviously you have that optimism but what is your reason for thinking that when full scale gyms become available again people still will be willing to substitute or add the cost of Peloton onto existing memberships
6: well Fundamentally, um, it's it's the better. We think it's the better mousetrap, and this was true before we were growing over 100%. Before the pandemic, certainly COVID has been tailwinds for us, Richard. There's no question. But it's better equipment with better instruction at a better value. Frankly, if you look on average, uh, people use the service 25 times a month. Again, for $39, that's less than a dollar fifty a class at a better place, home. Nothing beats the convenience of home. And so, you know, like other disruptive concepts and Amazon and online shopping, it's just, we think the better way, the better experience. And so um, we think that wins long-term. There's 80 million people who pay on average $54 right. a month in the U.S. for gym memberships. Um, we have 3.1 million members. And so we think it's early days for Peloton.
1: That early days is the fascinating part. That- is what's driving your stock price. If you look at it simply on the basis of an earnings per share and revenue and margins, that's what's pushing it higher. And the analysts all say it will go higher still. Not that I'm punting the stock.
6: (laughs) No comment, but thanks for that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm just curious. Are you sitting on a Peloton before we finish? Are you, are you sitting on? You look sort of like a, you. You might be sitting on 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 something. oh Are you?
6: I'd be sweating. I no, I, I did use Peloton this morning. I'm a. I think I'm a, I'm a member. Not only the president, I'm one of our most rabid users, and I love the experience. And and as the community gets bigger, more people on the leaderboard, high fiving. Right. As our music catalog has gotten bigger, more options on. If you like classic rock, if you like, um, if you like pop, if you like hip hop, if you like country, um, it's just the service keeps getting better and better. So I'm, I'm definitely a user. I'm not on right one now though.
1: No it's, just the way you, no, 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 it's just the way you were sitting high up. And I wondered, well, anyway, there we are. Uh, having dug that hole, I shall elegantly retreat. Uh, thank you, William Lynch, uh, for joining us. This is First Move. It is CNN. After the break, it is a busy day. Uh, it is also a very sad and solemn day because we do remember those who were killed, murdered, to put it crudely, murdered in the 9-11 attacks. These are pictures coming to us this morning from outside the Pentagon. The US Defense Secretary Esper is just speaking at the moment. And in five minutes, <coughs> excuse me, in five minutes at the Pentagon, there will be a, another of those moments of silences that we will be joining uh, wh- when it happens. That's in about four minutes from now. The California startup uh, company, it's called Lucid Motors, let's return to our business agenda, has unveiled an electric sedan. It says the Lucid Air will rival Tesla's Model S. It will also boast it's the fastest, most efficient and most aerodynamic electric vehicle on the market. Peter Rawlinson's with me, CEO of Lucid, former Vice President of Vehicle Engineering at Tesla. Um, so when, when sir, that's what we want to know. When does it, uh, when, when, when does it drive off into the garage, into, out of the garage?
7: we've just completed our new factory in arizona we're about about to start production early in 21 spring 21 making the best car in the world in casa grande arizona
1: all right you used to work for tesla tell me why it's better than tesla's model s
7: well, we're not really targeting Model S as a competitor. We're targeting the Grand marks Mercedes, Audi, BMW. This is an S-Class Mercedes competitor in the true luxury space. It has unsurpassed range, over 500 miles of range. And it does that through our in-house ultra-efficient technology. It's the most aerodynamic car in its class in the world and it's uh, got incredible performance standing quarter 9.9 seconds there simply isn't an electric car in this luxury class
1: it won't there isn't one maybe no one yet in the class that you're aspiring to but you won't have it to yourself for very long will you i mean everybody's going to be in on this do you have the pockets deep enough to be able to compete over the long time
7: well, I think that's a bit of a myth. There's been a disappointing response from the traditional automakers. Model S has been in production now for over eight years, and there really hasn't been a compelling competitor come from the d- traditional car companies. Uh, Porsche has come with Taycan last year, but it had a very disappointing range of over, over two, over only 200 miles. Right. And what we've seen is that Tesla is in this preeminent position of technology and no one else has come close to date. Uh, it's been a disappointing response and it's kind of a myth that all these other EVs are coming. Right now, this is white space, luxury space. We're the only player in this arena.
1: Peter, how much will it cost?
7: What will I need well, to own one? Yeah. Well, Lucid Air will start from beneath $80,000 US, um, and that model will be available in 2022. Um, the, uh, the, the range then goes up to Touring, which is from $95,000, add to Grand Touring, <sighs> which is a superb machine, uh, a very high spec with a range of over 517 miles and that will be from 139,000 but we're we launching with the top of the line at dream edition a limited edition dream edition and that's all in all right. at 169,000 US
1: bargain. Put me down for three. Uh, Peter Rawlinson, uh, you will forgive us. We will leave it there. Uh, Thank you, sir. We need to leave it there because we are going back in a moment to Washington, D.C. This time it's to the Pentagon uh, we'll be going to as we return to the events commemorating 9-11. We've already seen today in New York a moment of silence which commemorates when the first plane hit there's the u.s defense secretary uh speaking he, he's due to stop in just about 30 40 seconds from now as there's a second moment of silence this time we remember the exact point in time that american airlines flight 77 struck the pentagon when that happened 19 years ago today 184 people died when the plane hit the building. It's coming up to 37 minutes past nine on the eastern coast of the United States. They're standing for a moment of silence. We should join in too.
0: Present
8: arms.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's observance. Thank you for joining us this morning.
1: On this most solemn of days, the reflecting pools, the north and the south, at the World Trade Center, the site of, of course, where the Twin Towers stood, as were brought down 19 years ago today, a day of commemoration, and we will be following it throughout the day.
3: Thomas james fitzpatrick richard
1: so to return now to our business agenda astrazeneca says it should be on track to get authorization or at least approvals for its vaccines by the end of the year this is despite the fact that the third the phase three trials have been suspended after one person in the uk has become seriously ill elizabeth cohen is with us. Um, Elizabeth, do we know? I mean, they're, they're being very tight-lipped for obvious reasons, but do we know one crucial fact? I'm guessing that the person who's fallen ill did get the vaccine and not the placebo, otherwise it wouldn't be in this, uh, this situation.
9: Right. AstraZeneca hasn't said, Richard, but I think it's pretty uh, logical to assume that this person got the vaccine. If they had gotten the placebo, there wouldn't be any worries that this would be connected to the vaccine. So I think it's logical to assume that this person got the vaccine. And when this was announced earlier this week, there were various voices coming out trying to make it sound like this was a common occurrence for a, vaccine, for a vaccine trial to hit pause because someone's gotten ill. But I have spoken with vaccinologists. These are medical doctors who have run vaccine trials for decades now. And they said, you know what, this is unusual. Of course, when you're doing a trial with 30,000 people, somebody at some point is going to get sick. Somebody's going to get cancer. Somebody's going to have a heart attack. But they said, typically, it's deemed that the illness could, couldn't, there's no way it could be related to the vaccine. And the trial does not pause. They said it is unusual to have even one pause, as we've seen with AstraZeneca, or two pauses, which is actually what we have seen with AstraZeneca. This is now the second time they've had to pause. They did not talk about the first pause back in July, but recently uh, they brought it up again. So this is an unusual occurrence.
1: Which begs the question why they are optimistic that they can still get approvals by the end of the year. That would suggest a fairly quick resolution of this current hiccup.
9: It would. And I don't, we don't know that it, there is going to be a fairly quick resolution. I mean, uh, Dr. Fauci has said this is unfortunate. I hope that this gets resolved and they move on, but you don't know. And I think that's a very honest answer. You just don't know. And so I I don't know if this uh, expression exists in, in other parts of the world, but in the U.S. we say that and a dime will get you a cup of coffee, meaning this optimism that we're hearing... I don't take that as any kind of a guarantee. So they're optimistic. That doesn't really mean much. I take it with not a grain of salt, but a shaker of salt. And Richard, you're the business guy. Maybe you can tell us, is there a reason that a company would want to sound very rosy about something when, in fact, there is a fair amount of unknown here?
1: Very good point, Elizabeth, because if, of course, it all goes wrong, or at least you're not able to match it, then you've only built in disappointment. Elizabeth Cohen, we will talk more about this. This this one's going to run and run. Uh, Thank you for joining us. The latest attempt by the US Republicans to get a stimulus package through has fallen in the Senate. This time it was US, there was Democrats that voted it, helped vote it down. Uh, Mani Raju is with me. Now, hang on a second. Why were... I mean, Republicans, why were they unable to get this through the Senate? Why? I mean, this was a skinny bill to start with. It was by no means anything as generous as as had been suggested by the Democrats.
8: Yeah, and that's the reason why. Democrats want a lot more. They are divided with the Democrats over the size, the scope, and a lot of the details here. What This bill was roughly $500 billion worth of stimulus money. It provided $105 billion for schools, and it, it added uh, jobless benefits to the tune of $300 a week. Democrats wanted much more, $600 a week. They wanted much more uh, for schools. They wanted $405 billion or provisions that the Republicans Push that Democrats didn't like, such as providing lawsuit protections against companies, against schools, against healthcare workers. Democrats wanted their own proposals, but the, what the House Democrats are pushing is something in the, to the tune of at least 2.2 trillion dollars. So they are so significantly divided over just how much is needed at this point uh, of the recovery of the uh, as the uh, economy is still struggling here in the United States. So as a result, the Republicans put forward their plan knowing yeah. that it would not get 60 votes in the Senate to, to succeed in order to make the election year argument that they tried and try to blame the Democrats for blocking it, Richard.
1: Yeah, but he, he, if you can't get it through, look, the House side was clearly more generous. The Democrat side, that bill was too generous. One Republican votes against it. Um, I get the feeling here, Manu, as, as, as the US barrels towards election day and voting's beginning now, there are a lot of people who need some help and it's not coming anytime soon.
8: Yeah, and you know, particularly people who are facing eviction. There are millions of renters around the United States who were saved by the last stimulus that prevented uh, that's imposed a federal eviction moratorium. Now that eviction moratorium expired at the end of July, and a lot of renters are concerned about not missing having missed payments, about getting removed from their homes. Uh, what the Democrats had pushed for is to provide rental assistance in addition to extending that moratorium. Uh, there's, the Trump administration has tried to do some things administratively without congress but there's only so much they could do so there are a lot of people suffering who could lose their places where they're living the places that are renting they are not getting those uh, additional jobless benefits to the tune of 600 dollars a week and also those direct payments that were in the march stimulus to up to 1200 to some to some individuals and families that's gone as well so it could lead to significant problems for so many Americans, but Washington is nowhere near getting a deal, and this is likely going to get punted until after November, Richard.
1: Thank you. Manu Raju with an update on the stimulus package. Thank you. Now, President Trump put a deadline for a TikTok deal to be done. That deadline's running out, and the deal's not been done after the break. President Trump, has arrived at Shanksville and Pennsylvania, where the next moment of silence will take place in just seven minutes from now. President Trump has ruled out, as we return, President Trump has ruled out giving TikTok more time to make a deal. He said it's not going to happen. Paula Monica is with me. Um, where do we stand? Who, where at the moment do we stand in terms of is a deal going to be done in time?
10: Yeah, I think we have to wait and see. There's a September 15th deadline for a deal. And there's also September 20th, where the U.S. would cut off companies from doing any uh, you know, transactions with uh, TikTok and its Chinese parent, ByteDance. I think the question is, will, is this just posturing from the president and We know he's a negotiator. Will he be willing to extend a deadline again? Because I think it's probably in Trump's best interest, especially if he wants to court some of the uh, millennial and Gen Z voters, to not ban TikTok outright, but to find someone willing to buy it. So we've got the reports that Microsoft might be teaming up with Walmart to purchase the assets. Oracle is interested. Twitter is interested. There are plenty of big U.S. companies that want TikTok, and there's obvious value
1: Paul and Monica, Paul, thank you. Paul and Monica on the TikTok deal, which we'll watch closely. No, we'll leave it for the moment. Uh, let's take a look. Let me update you with where the markets stand um, uh, this morning. The markets are in that position where they are betwixt and between, uh, looking at the way in which they are trading today. The Dow is just up a. Uh, just dows up, up 164 points at the moment so it started on a relatively strong note um, the other three the other major markets are also higher in, during the course uh, during the course of their morning as for what we will be looking towards over the next hour or so There will be another moment of silence that's due to come up. That is time, of course, that now they're going to be remembering those who perished in in Pennsylvania. There is still, of course, the final moment of silence, which takes place as well, the various moments of silence. As we remember that the individual towers as they collapsed, all happening 19 years ago today, the president is in Pennsylvania. We will hear from the moment of silence. That will take place in just four minutes from now. Connect the World is coming up next. I'm Richard Quest in London. I wish you a very good day.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.